Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Let's open up our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 18. We're continuing our study in the book of Acts. Wow, uh, th- that stuff wasn't, in, wasn't planned. All that first stuff is free, okay? So if that happens to be for you, realize that God cares enough about you to interrupt the preacher and give him some encouraging words for you, okay? You're making a difference. And God's going to, God's going to help you, okay? God's going to give you some peace, and he's going to help you. Faith doesn't make things possible. It makes things easy. Put your trust in Him. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And He is there to help. He will help. This evening we're going to talk about your best. Your best. Wow. And this evening as we continue our study in the book of Acts, we're going to be reading about the Apostle Paul's very first visit to the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth is one of my favorite places to talk about because there's so much to talk about about Corinth. Well, this in Acts chapter 18 is the first time that Paul makes it to Corinth. And uh, we're going to read about that and discuss two truths from chapter 18. We won't get to all of chapter 18, but we'll get to a little bit of it, a few of the verses. And one of the truths we're going to learn is, number one, your best is not in you. Okay, we're going to learn that because the Bible's going to teach us that our best is not in us. Your best is not in you. And number two, the second truth is we're going to learn that God is bigger than your biggest enemy. Okay, we're going to see that from how God leads the Apostle Paul and what God does here in Corinth in Acts chapter 18. Let me give us a little historical catch up. Because uh, we're headed up to Acts chapter 18 now. And uh, we were gone. I I, I was gone last week. And so, you know, we did 16 and 17. Let me catch us up a little bit. Let me recap uh, a chapter 16 recap here, okay? Remember, this is happening about the year A.D. 52, A.D. 53, right in there somewhere. Paul and Silas and and Timothy and Luke... uh, In Acts chapter 16, they had sailed across the Aegean Sea. They had left what is now Turkey and went across to what is now Greece. The Bible calls Turkey Asia Minor, and the Bible calls Greece, and that time the northern part of Greece was known as Macedonia. Okay, So they sailed across there, and they stopped first in a little port city called Philippi. And that's where the book of Philippians was written to, the church in Philippi. But when they stopped there, there wasn't a church. When they stopped there, they began to witness, first to a woman named Lydia, and then they began to share the gospel with others. And while they were in Philippi, the apostle Paul cast a demon out of a woman, a young slave girl that was possessed by a spirit of divination, and she could tell fortunes accurately. But that spirit of divination, it really bothered the apostle Paul, and one day he commanded it to come out of that young lady, and it did, and she was no longer able to tell fortunes, and so her owners 
unable to make money on her, got mad at them and drugged them into town where they were stripped naked, humiliated, beaten, and thrown into the darkest dungeon. Well, they were sore and their feet were in stocks. Y'all remember chapter 16. But in their midnight hour, in their darkest moment, in the darkest dungeon, they began to pray and sing praises to God. As Paul and Silas, they didn't look at their circumstances. They did just what God encouraged us to do a moment ago. They began to trust in God. They began actually to tell their problems how big their God was instead of telling you know, God, how big their problems were. Instead of, oh, me, oh, me, woe is me, they begin to say, great is our God. Great is our God. And as they began to pray and sing praises to God in the midnight hour, God caused a great earthquake. It opened up the prison doors. All the prisoners had been listened, and all the chains fell off all the prisoners. But instead of escaping, the prisoners wanted to stay there where Paul and Silas were. They wanted to hear more about this Jesus that could open up the prison doors and set the captives free. And so the jailer, you know, he came in and he also said, what do I have to do to be saved? It ended up in Acts chapter 16 that the jailer and all of his household, they were all saved. The next day, Paul and Silas were released from prison and they said goodbye to those new converts to those new believers in Jesus, which became the nucleus for the church in Philippi, and Paul and Silas left. They walked south down to a city called Thessalonica. That's where we pick up with a recap of chapter 17. Once they got down to Thessalonica, here Paul and Silas once again, uh, you know, they... they preached the good news of Jesus Christ. They went to the synagogue and for three Sabbaths or three Saturdays, that could be anywhere from two weeks to, to three weeks, they preached Jesus. They saw a lot of Jews and a lot of Gentiles except Jesus as Messiah. But the religious leaders in Thessalonica, again, chapter 17, the religious leaders were envious. They got jealous because Paul and Silas were drawing a bigger crowd than they were. And so they hired some evil men and they raised up a mob against Paul and Silas. And it ended up that Paul and his company, they left Thessalonica because they were just about, you know, either to be beaten again or thrown into prison or whatever was going to happen. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they just went a little farther south, a little bit east, just a little ways to the town of Berea. Y'all remember we talked about that two weeks ago. And in the town of Berea, Paul and, 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 and his company, they preached Jesus. Well, things were going good for a few days. And then all of a sudden, that angry, evil mob from Thessalonica heard that Paul and Silas were doing good in Berea. And so they went that few miles, 10 miles or so. They went that few miles and those same people from Thessalonica began to persecute Paul and Silas and cause problems for them there. Well, Paul, he told Silas and Timothy, you stay here, guys. You stay here and help this new church. 
You help the church in Thessalonica. You help the church in Berea to get established and to be strong. I'm going to leave town because everybody's persecuting me. And if they, you know, I don't want to cause, be the cause of all the problems here. So y'all help the church. And Paul left on his own and he went down to Athens. And while he was at Athens, you can read about it in Acts chapter 17. Uh, uh, Paul preached one of his uh, you know, greatest sermons in a place called Mars Hill to the intellectual people of the city of Athens. And he reached some common ground with them and he preached to them about the memorial that they had raised up to an unknown God. He said, let me tell you about this unknown God. You don't know him, but I do. What an eloquent message. And people were converted. They gave their lives to Jesus as Messiah. Well, Paul decided it was time to send back to Thessalonica and Berea and asked Timothy and Silas to join him because Paul was by himself. And it's not a good idea to be by yourself on the mission field. So Paul sent for Silas and Timothy, and then Paul makes his way over a little farther to the city of Corinth. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 18. Are you ready? Verse 1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. Now, Pontus is the northern part of Turkey today, right along the Black Sea. Okay? And uh, Pontus is mentioned a few times in the Bible. Okay, he found this Jew named Aquila. And by the way, Aquila is a Roman name. Okay, it wasn't his Jewish name. Evidently, Aquila and his wife Priscilla had been away from their Jewish roots for a while and had taken on uh, Roman names. They were now comfortable and known with Roman names. We know this because uh, Aquila and Priscilla, who were born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because of the Emperor Claudius, in about the year A.D. 49 or 50, had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Okay, Jews, in almost every community they went to, they congregated. And when they congregated, uh, many times they would really raise up uh, an aggravation and a tumultuous time against one of the laws of the nation because they had their own set of laws. They had their own leadership. And they didn't necessarily submit to the kings of other lands or to the emperors. They submitted to the high priest and to Jehovah God. And that really caused some of the emperors problems. It caused some of the kings real problems, okay? And so this happened everywhere they went. Well, Claudius, if you read history, was so upset with them, they were causing such problems in, in all the Roman Empire that he expelled them. He just got tired of having to put up with them. And he said, okay, all the Jews, about 20,000 of them, all the Jews, you have to leave Rome and get out of my hair, okay? Now, uh, you know, here, Aquila and Priscilla being Jews had to leave Rome. In fact, it wasn't just a Roman decree. Many other cities followed suit. And so that all of Italy went through this, this cleansing, uh, as it were, in that period of time. Later, they moved back. But in that period of time, they just, you know, Jews just wasn't going to get a fair deal in Italy. So here, Aquila and his wife Priscilla 
had recently left Italy and had come to Corinth, which is in Greece, in, uh, uh, at, in, in today's Greece. Okay? And the Bible says that Paul came to them. Now, what that means is he, 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 he found them. The way that he found them, most scholars would agree, is because uh, when, when, when Jews moved into a community, they would, as I said, congregate around a language, around a religion, around roots, and around a commitment to one another because the law of Moses required them to make some commitments to each other as brothers and as, 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 as children of God. And so many times they associated in their guilds, like belonging to a local union, okay, to a, to a local trade union, okay? And so these guilds would associate wherein they would not only protect their work and support but when other Jews came into town if they happened to be you know a cabinet maker then they would congregate with the cabinet maker Jews so that they could get some uh, some work and so they could sustain life and support themselves does that make sense okay we know this the reason why Paul came to them is very evident uh, 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 because in verse 3 it says, So, because he was of the same trade. He associated, he came to them because he was of the same trade, because he had the same skill that they had, because he had a set, an art, he had an ability, he had a trade just like they did. And so the Apostle Paul lodged with them, he stayed with them, and he worked with them. You see how that works? You know, are you getting a clear picture here? I know sometimes when you read the Bible, it can appear to be so foreign that if you really don't look at it like, look at it like it's real life, then it doesn't, you just kind of read over these things. But if you stop and look at it like real life, here the Apostle Paul went to a new city called Corinth. It was one of the major cities. It was a very, very evil city. Okay? Very, very immoral city. And when he went there, he looked around for people like him. He looked around for people who spoke his language, who understood his lifestyle, who would have something to eat like he wanted to eat, uh, needed to eat, had to eat. You know, uh, many of them. By the, so they all congregated in the same community. And they not only congregated in that community, but they congregated within a trade skill they found people that had the same trade that they had so that they would also be able not only to, to, to stay with people which was according to the Mosaic law but also that they would be able to have some work because Paul needed some work. There was no one in Corinth that he knew that was a Christian. No one was a believer. He had no churches there yet. It was his first visit and he was alone right now and what he needed was food. What he needed was lodging and so he needed a job. He's a missionary that needs a job. He's gone on the mission field by himself. And he's needing some work to sustain his needs. Does that, that make sense? That's what God is showing us here. And evidently God feels it's important for us to know this. Because the Bible is not just a history lesson. It's a road map. It's not recorded just so that we'll know what he did. It's recorded so that we can know what we should do. This works. And so here the Bible says that he stayed with them and worked 
For by occupation, they were tent makers. Now, tent makers probably exactly means they were making tents for people to buy so that people could travel and live in them. But also, this word tent maker can also mean, uh, you know, tapestry weaver. Isn't that interesting? Some people have, have, have likened it to weaving tapestries. Maybe he was making home decoration tapestries. I don't know. But the implication here is, is that, that, that they were literally, you know, cutting out and sewing together tents. And... Verse 4, and Paul reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath. Now, he worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he went to church, and he was reasoning, and he was persuading both Jews and Greeks, you know, to be open to Jesus being the Messiah. Now, many people, as do I, imagine that Aquila and Priscilla were not born-again believers at this point, but perhaps it's at this point. You know, perhaps maybe they were, but most likely they weren't. It seems like they had been away from their, their homeland for a long while, and, and, and it, it seems as though that the Apostle Paul may have actually led them to Christ. We don't know for sure, but perhaps he did at this moment, and he was discipling them as well while working with them. But at any rate, when Paul arrived at Corinth, he got a job and he started working. And, uh, you know, it's important to note that the Apostle Paul was unafraid. It's not the first time. In fact, there, there, there are two other times, you know, once in Ephesus and, 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 and once again, even in the book of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul refers to working. And if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And he's referring to himself, you know, that how important it is that we work and that we actually do something and not just be idle, imagining that somehow, you know, we're owed a living for doing nothing. And uh, the Apostle Paul had been trained in the liberal arts he went to Jerusalem as a young man and was raised under Gamaliel. He was trained as a lawyer. That was his, that was his best suit, was a lawyer. Okay? What we would understand as a lawyer. To argue the law of Moses is what he was trained to do. But that was the law. Okay? And he argued the law. In fact, he, he, he presented his case later in the rest of his life for Jesus Christ as he would argue, as he would debate, as he would reason with others. And they, all, all these can be locked up into legal terms and legal wrangling as he would argue and reason and debate and bring forth uh, you know, evidence for Christ from the Word of God as though he were presenting a case. He was raised in the liberal arts, but as was the custom and culture of the Jews, not only were you given this education as he was, you know, raised up as a, as, as, as a lawyer, but, but every uh, a, a son was also given a trade. Because it was the hope of every family that no matter what happened in life, that their children would be able to work in some trade, in some art, not just in some, you know, uh, liberal science, but all, you know, also in some art. To be able to make a living should they need to. It's still important today. Tent making in that day, as I said, could be a number of things, but... It seems as though Paul was probably doing exactly what we imagine. And he was going to church on, on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And he was working six days. 
And he was probably pretty busy. And probably at night while he was staying with Aquila and Priscilla, he was teaching them about Christ. But yet there was more in him. There was more in him. He wanted more. He wanted more. He wanted to do more. No doubt he wanted to do more. But he had to eat and he needed to work to do that in order to pay for lodging and food. And so he says, my goodness, where, it, where in the world is Timothy and Silas? I called for them when I was in Athens. And now that I'm here, I'm really needing them to come along because I've got a preaching job to do. And I need a little help here. I need a little help maybe making some more money. I need a little help and some support. I could use some spiritual support. The Bible says two are better than one. And then in here, uh, you know, uh, verse 5 of chapter 18. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul, once they had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. It seems as though that Paul got a release. You know, Paul all of a sudden, once Timothy and Silas got there, the apostle Paul all of a sudden felt a new anointing, felt a new unction, felt a new call. All of a sudden, he was greatly influenced. Once they joined him, it was a great blessing. And, 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 uh, uh, here, Silas and Timothy coming there. It invigorates the Apostle Paul, and no doubt it gave him a lot more time. I can imagine from reading into the Scriptures that the Apostle Paul was set free so that he could be busy about his father's business while perhaps Timothy and Silas not only gave him encouragement and support and maybe took some of the load and the weight of discipleship and maybe some of the tent making as well and then the apostle Paul being compelled it looks as though that he went whole hog full time preaching and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ well as he's focused now on preaching the gospel and by the way it can be very difficult when you're alone. God knows that. It can be very difficult when you're the only one responsible for everything from work to worship to witness. It can be difficult when you feel like you're by yourself. Elijah felt like he was by himself. And I'm certain the Apostle Paul felt like I'm all by myself. I'm responsible for work. I'm responsible for worship. I'm responsible for witness. You know, the Bible does tell us that two are better than one. In this case, we can find a reasonable argument that although Paul was busy discipling and sharing the gospel on, on Saturdays, nonetheless, he felt as though that he needed more strength and more encouragement. So when his team got there, all of a sudden, he found his groove. You see, that's... What figures into our first point? Point number one is that your best is not in you. You remember that? Your best is not in you. It's in a team. Your best is not in you. Your best is in a team. Even if your name is Jesus Christ. Even if your name is God. Hello? It took Jesus... And it's taken the Holy Ghost to accomplish the work of God. God could be sitting in heaven being God all day long. But he chose a team. He chose not only his son and the Holy Spirit. He also chose angels in heaven to minister for those who will be heirs of salvation. You see, God's best is in a team. And guess what? He chose you. 
Jesus chose 12 to be with him and send him out to preach. He could have been the Savior of the world, but without that team, no one would have known it. Come on now. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. Read the book. He fed the 12. The Bible says he broke the fish and broke the loaves. He gave it to the 12, and the 12 gave it to the multitude. Your best, your most, your greatest is not in you, never has been, never will be. It is in the ones that God gives you and connects you with and associates you with. That's where your best will be. That's your best life. That's your best offering. That's your greatest day is when you are connected to those to whom God has designed for you to be connected. Also, it can be the most aggravating you will ever be, the most aggravated the most frustrated, irritated. Sometimes you think I'd be better off by myself. Nope, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be better. The world wouldn't be better. You see, secondary leadership and team support are essential to any lasting success. Jesus spent his whole life on planet Earth raising up a team. He gave his life for the team. And guess what? The team gave their life for him. It would have been sad if Jesus just came and expected them to give their life for him. And he never gave his life to them. Come on now. You know why you love him? Because he first loved you. It's a share and share alike. It would be sad if Jesus expected me to give my life to him and he did not give his life to me. It would also be sad if he gave his life to me and I did not give my life to him. Jesus gave his life to his team, and his team gave their life to him. Many times, leaders are not happy with the people that they are leading, but many times it's because they think the people they are leading should give their life to them whenever they're not giving their life to them. Husbands, wives, you listening to me? Hello? Relationship is what it's all about. And unless you are giving, you see, God puts people together in relationship first for what they can give, not for what they can get. If you step into a relationship and it's all give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, what's in it for me, bless me, bless me, bless me, you are in the wrong state of mind. It's what can I give? What can I do? We are put into a relationship first for what we can give, not for what we can get. And although... We are always filled with the same spirit. We are not always moved by the same emotion, by the same passion, by the same anointing of God. God moves on us at different times with different reasons. Paul was greatly increased with vision and strength when Silas and Timothy arrived in Corinth. You know, he had been alone for a while, but when they got there, he evidently was refreshed. And the Bible says he was compelled to begin to preach the gospel in a new and a living way. Corinth was such an immoral city. They had a temple of Venus there where they performed lewd acts. Such immoral acts, such carnal appetites were satisfied there. The indulgence of sin in Corinth was such that it no other city compared. 
You could experience all the pleasures of the world in Corinth. So it made it a great place for the gospel to be preached. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go fishing in a place where there were so many fish? Where everybody needed to be saved. I mean, come on. Had you rather go out, if you were a commercial fisherman, had you rather go out to a place where there's only two fish in this big old ocean? Or would you rather go out to a, to a city where everybody needs to be saved? Come on now. So the Apostle Paul, what potential? I mean, my goodness, he could throw a rock and hit a lost person. You know, every rock, he could grab a handful of rocks and sling them out, and every rock would hit a lost person. What a great potential. What a great place to be sent. Man, where people need, what a great place to go, where people need Christ so desperately. That's one of the reasons why the jails and the prisons are such a fruitful place to go and preach the gospel. That's one of the reasons, Acts 16, one of the reasons why the prisoners didn't leave when the prison doors were open. They were desperate for Jesus Christ, for someone to answer the darkness of my soul. Man, send us to people who need. But also it's one of the most difficult places to share Christ. And for this, Paul needed his team. Silas and Timothy provided exactly what Paul needed for him to devote his full time to birthing the church at Corinth, which became one of the most powerful churches in all of Christendom. First and second Corinthians was written to this church. You know, uh, let me... Move to point number two as we close for tonight. Point number two. You know, Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews and Greeks. Some of them believed and, and some of them began to persecute him. Paul was concerned. Oh, no, I'm just going to get persecuted here. I'm just going to get run off from here too. I've been run off from every place. I've been beaten. I've been jailed. I've been stoned. I mean, me and, my, my, me and the people that are with me, I'm getting other people beaten and stoned. Oh, oh, my goodness. What am I going to do, Lord? What am I going to do? You know, concerned. But the Lord spoke to him, and God gave him a promise. In Acts 18, verse 9, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. He said, Paul, do not be afraid, but speak. Speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And Paul continued there a year and six months, <laughs> the longest stints he had, a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And not one time was Paul hurt. Not one time. You know, my goodness. You know, point number two, God is bigger than your biggest enemy. Even in Corinth, with all of the immorality. In fact, you know, even the chief ruler of the city, the chief ruler of the synagogue named Crispus got saved. Isn't that neat? Became a believer. And when he did, ooh, don't you know that upset the Jews? So they chose another chief ruler, a guy named Sosthenes. And then Sosthenes, Sosthenes, however you want to say his name, S-O-S-T-H-E-N-E-S, you you try it in public. Okay. Sosthenes. He got emboldened, I guess, and led a group of Jews, and they took Paul, and they took him to court. Well, you know, he was a trained lawyer. They took him to court. Well, the proconsul of Rome said, I'm not going to listen to any of this. This is just about words. So he let Paul go. 
dismissed the case. That made the Jewish leaders so angry, they turned on their new chief ruler, Sosthenes, and they drug him out of the court and beat him openly. They beat their chief ruler. Because, you know, you couldn't take him down, we'll just beat you. Well, what a deal, huh? That's the kind of people you want to be in charge of, right? Listen, if anybody asks you to be a leader, step back and look at the group. If they're rebellious, don't, don't be their leader. You can't lead rebellious people. You can't lead angry people. If they're angry, if they're just looking for somebody to champion their anger, don't be a leader of that group. Okay? Poor Jefferson Davis never had a chance. All he was leading was rebellious states. I mean, my goodness, that's their whole, that was their whole mantra. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel. Would you lead me? Would you lead us? We're rebels. Hello? You can't lead rebels. Well, that's what Sosthenes, Sosthenes found out. You can't lead a bunch of angry people. Okay? They took him out and they beat him. Verse 17, Acts 18. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio, uh, who was the proconsul, he didn't even care. He took no notice of these things. And yet Paul remained in the city a good while. Paul just kept on preaching and teaching. Man, what a deal. Well, whatever happened to Sosthenes? Well, you know, he got saved. I mean, a good beating sometimes from your friends. <laughs> Make you look for new friends. <laughs> and that's what some of you need to do. You need to look for some new friends, okay? Don't be friends. The Bible says do not run with angry people, okay? Don't run with those that run to mischief, you know? And don't be deceived. Bad company will corrupt your good morals, okay? Well, we find out that when Paul finally left there, evidently Sosthenes might have went with him because Paul writes a letter back 1 Corinthians. And in the very first of 1 Corinthians, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Paul called to, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> He's writing to the church at Corinth and he wants you to know that Sosthenes is still with us. You know? Yeah, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Wow. You see, God is bigger than your biggest enemy. He'll convert even those that come out against you. God's not afraid of anybody. Amen. And we don't need to be either. Instead of telling your problems. Instead of telling God how big your problems are, why don't we just start telling our problems how big our God is? Amen.